just already a bit yellow blood in my in my veins. Already had a crazy 18 months here, but it just keeps on uh, keeps on going. Welcome to All in Yellow, the official Norwich City podcast. Tukey, sensational! Who else? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the All in Yellow podcast. My name's Alice Piper. I'm a sports broadcaster and journalist at Sky Sports News. And I'm Dan Wynn, stadium announcer and head of communications at the club's official charity partner, the Community Sports Foundation. This is your official Norwich City podcast, bringing you insight and experiences from some of your favourite Norwich City names. We're kicking off our new show with a long chat with the man currently in charge of the Canaries. It's been one hell of a journey since he moved to Norfolk back in 2017, and we cannot wait to speak to head coach Daniel Farker and learn more about his life in football and thoughts on his time at Norwich City so far. Yes, really excited about that. But before we get started, make sure you subscribe to the All in Yellow podcast as we aim to bring the best Norwich City insight out there. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search All in Yellow and we're also on the Norwich City YouTube channel if you prefer your podcast in visual form. Well, this is it. Let's get going. It's time to meet today's guest, the first ever guest of the All in Yellow podcast. It's Daniel Farker. You're listening to the All in Yellow podcast. So who better to join us for the very first episode of the All in Yellow podcast is none other than the head coach himself, Daniel Farker. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. Thanks a lot. Good evening. So we're going to take it right back to the very beginning to start with. Just tell us your earliest memories of of enjoying football and playing football and knowing that you wanted to get into the sport. Oh, sadly, it's a long time ago uh, already. Um, Yes, more or less like uh, each and every child uh, during during this time. So I always enjoy to to play football. So my parents uh, kept telling me that I was able to to play football before I started uh, running and walking anyhow. So uh. um, and also like yeah, my family was always uh, always unbelievably interested. My my grandfather was a quite a famous football player. My father played football as well. And um, yeah, for that na- quite naturally. So they they put lots of uh, lots of pressure uh, on me and also my parents. So my mother. Uh, uh, kept telling me uh, her first visit uh, in the hospital of, of my grandfather. She expected him to, to come around with some flowers, but he brought a football. So uh, there was lots of pressure. No pressure yeah. And uh, <laughs> she, she was telling me I was so hopeful that um, the kid at least could play a little bit. Yeah. So I was capable to, to, to play a bit. So for that, not not too bad. And um, yeah, so it's, it was uh, quite normal that I found my way uh, into football. Who did your grandfather play for then? He played uh, for so for several uh, several teams and uh, one most famous team perhaps uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, it's also pretty close to the German national team and uh, yeah, it was a bit wow. different times there yeah, because it was not that professional and you couldn't earn uh, that much money. But uh, yeah, it was quite normal that then my grandfather, my father was also unbelievably interested and uh, yeah. So for that, I had to had to start playing football. Otherwise, uh, my mother would have had uh, some problems. Yeah. Well, I've learned <laughs> something there, Alice. I yes, must plead my ignorance. Do. I didn't know you had such a rich football heritage wow, Daniel very much in but, the family uh, yeah absolutely did you then grow up as a Borussia Dortmund fan because of the connection um in general so I was I was influenced by by uh, several uh, clubs so my my family naturally was always like a support of Bayern Munich uh, as well and and also some relationships uh, because um the chairman of Bayern Munich Karl-Heinz Rummenigge who was also a quite oh, famous okay. football player um came out of the city. I, I worked for Lipstadt later on, so there was quite a strong relationship as well. And yeah, quite obviously, um, I worked for Borussia Dortmund and my grandfather played there. So I 
grew up um, perhaps uh, 60 miles away. So of course there were strong connections. So with these two uh, clubs, uh, especially and uh, not the not the worst clubs in nice. in Germany, yes. and uh, was a good yeah. time. Wow, amazing family. Am I right in saying that as a young player you knew where the goal was? I think that's <laughs> is that fair to say. Yes, that's right. I was a I was a striker, um, more or less during uh, during my whole life, and. Uh, Yes, I would, uh, I would label me more like really like a typical box striker who wants to have the ball um, close uh, close to the goal and was was greedy to score goals, uh, also to keep the ball and and um, yeah perhaps a bit because technically I was I was definitely definitely alright and I also knew how to how to score some goals. Um, my biggest problem was uh, was the speed anyhow. I, I think I mentioned <laughs> it at uh, one point. So I was probably the slowest strike in whole Western <laughs> Europe. Um, so that was always uh, the the limit then for me to uh, to play on the on the top top class level. So I, I played several years as a professional football player, but just always on the level third tire, fourth tire, and uh, that was uh, more like the my speed was then uh, anyhow the the factor that uh, limited my my game. Um, but I like to score. That's definitely for sure. Would Daniel Farker fit into a Daniel Farker team if you were to pick <laughs> that team? I'm not sure. The rumors was always like I was not so interested in running and pressing against <laughs> the ball. I thought I did, but my uh, my coaches never never did. So they it's more harsh. like yeah. And also my teammates thought it was more like I waited till they passed me the ball over. I put it out of two yards with a little tap in in and then celebrate. Anyhow, it was more like uh, more like uh, this type of guy. But um, yeah, in general. So I always liked also to to. Th Think about the game a bit like a like a coach, also a lot in, in tactical terms. Um, was also quite often anyhow, yeah, a bit in the leading group of a team, like wearing the captain armband and whatever. So, um, not always unbelievably easy. So I had also my my own head, and uh, when I think about some things, what I've done when I was twenty, twenty two. I'd say oh, I wouldn't like to see this as a coach anyhow, but yeah, sometimes it also helps to to have more understanding than for the players uh, in our times, and uh, definitely a good education also for myself. What did you enjoy most about playing? Um, the most enjoyable, of course, we all like to 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 play the game and and also to be there with a win. But the most enjoyable moments were more or less in the the dressing room. So to be together with my teammates and and to have fun together and. Quite often you're together with a group of 20 players and they're all, of course, different, also from different backgrounds, also different knowledge and education anyhow. But it's more or less like you you see the game and the topic football more or less with the same eyes. And and when someone speaks about, about this, all 20 lads know exactly what the guy is speaking about and they understand the humor, they understand the jokes. And I think this camaraderie is more like, more or less like what you will miss most after uh, after your career. And this is also what I always tell my my players that uh, you should also enjoy to to be together with the teammates, not to be too selfish and just think too uh, too much about yourself. So enjoy also like this togetherness and the spirit in the dressing room. And I have to say, so after retiring, this is even more than the work on the training pitch, and uh, especially m much more than. Uh, the work during preseason when you have to run around the lakes and <laughs> something like intense. this and this, uh, this is always uh, always a bit tricky but uh, to be together with with lads who who see the world and also the game with the same eyes this is what you will miss after after your career and um, yeah perhaps also one of the reasons uh, then I, I became a coach if I'm honest. Did you know you always wanted to be a coach so how, how did your kind of retirement from playing come about? Was no, it never. through injury? No it I think it was in the age of uh, 31 and 
Yeah, it's like I mentioned, I've always played on this level, uh, third, fourth time. I also was a professional football player, but it was more or less clear. So uh, with 31, I wouldn't start then the, the big career and, and uh, then to be there with many Champions League appearances. So it's more like, yeah, of course I could have played further on, but uh, I then had the offer uh, in, in order to switch the sides and, and to work also uh, as a full-time professional on the other side as a sporting director and just a... Uh, as a head coach and I thought okay I don't have this big career with 500 uh, appearances for Bayern Munich and or one of the caps for Germany so it's more like when I want to be good in this uh, in this uh, in this job I have to start a bit a bit earlier and I have to yeah work a bit earlier on my reputation then for example a, a, a player with many appearances for the German national squad so um, for that it was more like a, um, a decision of the of the head right now also to start because I've, I've seen on this level third and fourth tier in Germany professional half professional level uh, more or less everything and and instead of playing three or four more years I then decided to uh, to start the other career and uh, yeah right now I have to say although of course you miss and also playing with your teammates it's definitely not the the worst choice that's definitely did you have to learn to look at the game differently? Because, you know, as a young footballer, certainly as a kid, you'd have run out there with the ball and just had a great time. At what age did you start kind of looking at the game with a slightly more analytical eye and thinking, right, there's a reason we're winning or losing here and what can we change to make sure we win and lose? I always try to be there with an analytical view on the on the game, even as a, as a, as a player. So I was staying humble, but I thought I was quite a... At least a football intelligent, uh, intelligent player, and that's why I was also sometimes difficult for my coach because I asked questions and I wanted um, not just to stay on the surface a bit more to to watch um, a bit uh, under the topics. But I always have to be honest, and uh, I said so. I never wanted to become a coach eh, because I know exactly how the uh, bloody players feel in the <laughs> dressing room and the jokes are there, and I didn't want to rely on each and every uh, day uh, success and. Uh, you have to uh, you have to rely that uh, the lads go into the direction you want to lead them, and I never want to uh, to work on such a sh short term period. So actually, my plan was more or less like to to work a bit more strategically, more in the background, more like a, um, a sporting director who can also uh, work a bit more into his horizons, a bit more on, on larger periods instead of okay, I won't have to win the next game. And for that, uh, I never was interested really to to. Um, uh, to work in there as a head coach, but meanwhile I got the feeling it's it's quite a good, quite a good basement situation in order to to become a coach because then I, I experienced also so many highly motivated coaches who were more after their own career and wants to take the next step and the next step and the next step. I thought this attitude no I actually I don't want to be a successful football coach I want to be famous as a coach and don't want to be in the spotlight help me a bit like um, to 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 take the next steps and uh, I have to say so in, in order to improve uh, as, a, as a coach I was never uh, and you know, scared to take risk or scared to take um, also difficult challenges or tasks and I think it was definitely a definitely good situation uh, in order to to build my career and meanwhile yeah, my, my view has changed completely. I'm, I'm really with the full of my heart. Uh, I'm really a head coach and I really enjoy to, to play with these young lads, although it's still sometimes uh, tricky to uh, to keep them all happy and, and to go with them in the same direction. But meanwhile, I'm really enjoying it. Were there any coaches in particular that you really admired and you looked to to try and learn how they were, were learning the ropes for, for your development? I think you don't have a proper idol or something, something like this. And it's more like 
try to take bits and pieces from each and every coach, even from my coaches who are not perhaps not that well known in, uh, in world football. But um, you always realize, okay, this is a topic you would do uh, this exactly in the same way, but you also learn out of the negative uh, examples as well. And, and you think, and, no, if you would be in this role, um, you would do it uh, completely different. Once you are then working this role, you also understand why a head coach is sometimes uh, judging things in a, in a bit a bit different way. But I never had really a, a, a role model in, in these terms. If I have to name one person who has influenced me, it would be a pretty famous coach in Germany. His name was uh, Ottmar Hitzfeld. I'm not sure if he's still known here on, on this level, but he was uh, unbelievable uh, successful with Borussia Dortmund, he won um, f as a first coach in years. They are the title, but also the Champions League. He won uh, with Bayern Munich uh, the Champions League and also the title. And he was always was slightly different times. He was perhaps not that such a tactical genius, but in terms of leading a group, in terms of in terms of man management, also in terms of of style and class, he influenced me a lot. And it's even in nowadays. Sometimes uh, I when I I'm there in a tricky a period or a tricky situation I find myself sometimes asking me okay in this situation how would uh, uh, Ottmar Hitzfeld um, uh, have have done in such a situation and he was quite a big influence uh, if I have to say. It's interesting you talk about that man management people often forget that footballers aren't robots and and anything could have happened to them during the week leading up to a game in their personal lives you know anything could be going on and you've either got to put an arm around or encourage them and have you found that a challenge or is that something you relish doing? If I'm honest, I always thought it would be like this, that uh, 70, 80 percent of this job is man management and, and to lead a group. Uh, because you can have unbelievable tactical knowledge, you can have great experience as a player. It's a, it's a completely different job. Uh, it always helps when you when you have played on a on a on a top level. Uh, but sometimes when you, uh, I think this is also one of the reasons why the the best footballers in history um, were quite rarely than also the best coaches in mm -hmm. in history um it's more like because yeah when you are Lionel Messi you don't have need any explanations and you don't need to train and you know don't need to um be there and doubt yourself anyhow because uh, you you can do whatever you want on the on the training pitch but um when you also got the feeling okay you were on the bench sometimes as a player or you struggle to reach your, your limit you also have understanding then for a player who is not there in his full rhythm or not full of confidence and you go through difficult periods yeah let's be honest near Messi um from the age for from uh, 18 till 32 he never went through a difficult period yeah, he, mm. you can't teach him football because he's the best player in the world and and for that it, it's I think it helps sometimes when you uh, have played on a professional level because without having played on a professional level I think I would also struggle then to to have a feeling for my players how they feel in this situation now eh, when the pressure is on them and uh, they need to fight for the next contract and there's also pressure from the agents uh, and the uh, and the families but um you still still have this feeling okay they are human beings and, and you lead a group of people and not a group of robots and uh, let's be honest uh, you try to focus a, a group of, of 30 players uh, in in order to win football games and in order to be successful in order to to go into the same direction yeah but they are also anyhow also competitors competitors for the next contracts competitors. And young lads as well right these, yes these yes definitely competitors for uh, for the next uh, for then for, for for their spot in the starting lineup and uh, nowadays yeah, just 11 players can be in the starting lineup and from this 11 
yeah, quite often just eight finish a game and uh, from this eight, two or three think uh, they're not praised enough by the coach or two or three think they're playing in the wrong uh, position. Let's be honest, from this group of 30 players, you just have two or three players who are really happy in this situation and all the others are in between. Yeah, the coach is all right or, uh, till they want to bite me in the neck. So that's that's a reality anyhow. And you have to focus and to lead this group in order to go into the same direction. How that's do big, you do that challenge. though? Because obviously you can't keep every player happy. You say the players that are playing week in, week out are naturally going to be really happy. But how do you keep happy the, the fringe players or potentially, obviously we've seen the amazing work done with the loan system here. How do you keep happy the players that aren't in your current plans right now? It's it's difficult, and uh, if I'm honest, you also have to go a bit away from keeping everyone everyone happy. The most important topic is to be absolutely honest, yeah. and and yeah. also like not to let your your travel uh, level of of standard and demands drop, and and you have the same levels for each and every player, and and also when you when you think um, there was a poor performance in training or in the game, um, yeah, to tell them. Uh, also quite quite honest or so when I'm not happy uh, to tell them also not to be afraid of of um, yeah that they're not picked and uh, when when they're not good enough in training and it's important to be to be honest uh, especially in the dressing rooms and but on the other hand also not to lose a nurse when we lose a game or there's some criticism and then to be over uh, emotional and punish a player just because he deserves I, I think it's important to protect the group of players in public because they are so much on the spotlight and um, there's so much pressure also on them. I think it's quite important to protect them in public, to be there for them in, in public, but in the dressing room, I don't like vanity and they have to be unbelievably honest. And that's I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there if I may, Daniel, because recently I guess you broke away from that a little bit and, and were perhaps publicly a little bit critical of, of some players who'd had interest from outside, from other clubs and weren't performing as you'd like in training during the week. Uh, and you sort of broke from that, you know, protect them entirely in public and actually said, you know what, I'm not getting what I want out of these guys. What made you make that decision? Well, I'm not out for winning the Nobel Peace Prize. I'm, I'm out for winning uh, winning football games and, and bringing success to this club. And when I got the feeling I have to do this, I do this. And my players know that I do this pretty, pretty rarely because my first reaction is always like when I have to criticize something, I do this under four eyes, even not uh, within the group yeah? because because it's the players are proud and their dignity and it's quite important to speak with them under four eyes if there is something they have to improve. But if this doesn't help, then you have to do it in the group, but internally. That's quite important uh, because this helps and also to, to put some um, some pressure on them. And uh, But if this doesn't help, uh, then the last, uh, the last bullet is uh, then also like to speak in public yeah, because then you want to provoke uh, sometimes a reaction. And if this doesn't work, yeah, let's be honest, you have to get rid of this player. So that's definitely definitely for sure. So it's, it's not like uh, you want to be this most loved guy in the dressing room or that the players want to go on holiday each and every day. I think I've got a, quite a good relationship to, to all of them uh, because they know that I care for them. And, and I have, if I have to leave a player out... Believe me, no one has more sleepless nights than, than I do. Or if, if I have to criticize a player, no one has more sleepless nights than I do and, and is suffering more. And, and this is what, what is also drying in this, in this job. It's, it's difficult uh, to, to disappoint players. It's difficult uh, to dis uh, disappoint human beings uh, because I always want to, to have them uh, happy. And especially when they, I got the feeling they deserve uh, some credit. I can't always give this uh, because I've got uh, need to lead a group of 30 players. But uh, if then sometimes I got the feeling, okay, you have to use this bullet anyhow because someone is not leaving his heart on the pitch or is doing something against the group, just in these two uh, rare occasions, 
I also have to criticize them sometimes uh, in public in order to provoke a reaction. And um, thank God, so uh, I'll be honest. So I have had the spirits uh, with with many players, even even with players I, I loved a lot. Uh, when I think about James Madison, mm -hmm. and it was also the moment uh, I have to have to criticize him a bit to to help him growing up in his uh, in his uh, development. I had this uh, also with when I think about uh, our Murphys, for example, or some some other players who sadly have left the club. So sometimes at any point you you have to uh, have to criticize them uh, a bit as well because uh, the world is not always sunshine and life is not always sunshine. So sometimes you also have to remind them that it's not like we're li living in life in a pretty privileged role and uh, sometimes you have to remind them. Did you have many experiences when you were playing when you had a coach criticize you and, and how did that make you feel? I guess it's interesting having played the game and now coach as well. You know how it feels from both ends. Yes. But of course, so as a player, you always judge it in a, in a pretty personal way and individual way and, and also too emotional. And you think the coach don't like me. And I was also this player. So uh, I, when I didn't have the f complete trust of a coach anyhow, then I couldn't be uh, couldn't be at my best. When I knew as a striker, for example, if I haven't scored after 50 minutes and the flag goes up and I, I will be substitute, you could leave me even in the, in the start of the game on the bench because I needed this trust. But um, meanwhile, I judge also these decisions with a, with a different eye. And it's also like I try to speak pretty, pretty honest with my players about this topic because it's not like the, the coach don't like you or the coach... Um, doesn't want to help you know it's it's completely the other way around so each and every coach wants wants always to pick the best players who are are there with the with the biggest success for the for the team but um you learn more to to uh, think about the team and the success of the team than just to think about yourself that's what you have to do a little bit as as a player and i try to give my experience and also my recommendations a bit more to my players that they don't do the same mistake that mm -hmm. that i did in, in misjudging uh, some of these decisions and uh, I have to say I've got a really, really nice group of, of lads and um, yeah, it's really a joy uh, to, to work with them each and every day. I've heard Stuart Webber talk a lot about culture um, and it's something that extends beyond, you know, just the, the first team set up across the academy into the Carrow Road offices as well. It's a huge thing in Norwich City and, and that is, you know, the, the culture of it's not just your philosophy that you developed on the pitch, but your recruitment strategies, you've got to bring in the right kind of person that fits in that respects everyone who's got a job to do around the football club, that respects the, the common goal uh, of you know having a successful team. And sometimes that mean might mean that they're not involved for a couple of weeks. It, how big a part of your recruitment strategy has that been? It's quite important. So first of all, we, we're not just um, signing players, we're signing uh, human beings. And uh, we take lots of time in order to sort out that we sign the right characters. That's quite important. And it also also helped that I have worked in the sporting director role, that I, I'm not just addicted to, yeah, anyhow to survive the next week as a head coach. I always see the bigger picture and, and want to develop as a club and um, want to develop the club and help the club developing. So it was also like when I, when I signed my contract here, it was more like one of my first questions was, um, yeah, what is the philosophy in terms of playing? Yeah, and the answer was more like Stuart was also quite new. Yeah, we have to create a philosophy. So it's more like uh, the philosophy is being successful. Yeah, but how? How do we want to play? Yeah, we have to create a philosophy. Okay, and the next question was. And it also, takes time. Yes, and the next question was also like, yeah, on, on which values do we want to want to work? I want to be successful. Yeah, but in in which way? His answer was more like, so far there was just one claim to be successful. It doesn't matter if you uh, train three times a day. 
or uh, if you just rest the whole week on the sofa and you win the game, the only thing that matters is to win the next uh, game. And it is sometimes a bit like like this in football, but I don't think it, it helps in the mid and long term. So you have to create a special philosophy in, in terms of playing, um, but also in terms of values, you, how you want to work and how the values you want to stand for. And this is also like on the mid and the long term, you also can lean on this on this cornerstones and uh, on this uh, on this values. And um, I think that's quite important to do this in this way because, yeah, uh, you can always have an unlucky period and also a period with a few losses there yeah, and, and some injury problems or you don't have the game luck. So it's quite important that you then stick to your values and stick to your philosophy. And this is what we try to uh, to implement a bit in the group and for, for us a quite important topic. When you first first joined Norwich, did you see that there was quite a lot of rebuilding that needed doing? Did you want to sort of start a, a fresh slate with Norwich? Did you think there was a lot of work that, that needed doing right from the start? Yes, it was a big big challenge. And um, if I'm honest, also one of the reasons uh, I wanted to sign for this club, because for me, it was the biggest challenge. And if I'm honest, I could have had easier jobs. Yeah, It was also at this time I was, um, yeah was still staying humble but there were still some some perhaps easier opportunities in Germany for example as a native speaker but I got the feeling so to go abroad to work not as a native speaker I was signed as a first not UK um, head coach of the of the history and then to work for such a club who had such a big history but also for such an emotional uh, club so 120 miles around there was no other Premier League club or yeah, also on championship level, yeah, there is another club, but not not on this level like uh, like we are. And um, it's unbelievable emotion. The stadium is always full. And if we win a game, then we think, okay, we fight right now for the Premier League title and we fight for Europe. And if we lose a game, then the world goes down. So to work for such an emotional club and also in the situation was more or less like a fresh start, but under unbelievable financial pressure, um, we needed to, to uh, rely on our youth and our academy. We need to implement a bit a special style of playing also a special style of how we want to work we had a proper group of players that even in the first year great players but if you're pretty honest so our group was a bit too old and and didn't really fit to our style how we wanted to go forward and we need also to 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 sell some of our best players uh, when i think about my first season during during preseason with great players like johnny house and for example graham jones i, I like them a lot as players but we need to sell them or the murphys uh, especially Jacob Murphy uh, during during preseason, we all had to sell them uh, because the financial pressure was so so high. And, and um, did you get any resistance from those senior players when to, you know when you came in and said, "Look, lads, I'm sorry, you're not going to fit in with the plan that we've got, the vision that we've got." Did they make it easy for you? They made it easy for me, and, and I was even pleased with this group of players. And it was it was then sad because I had to take some really unbelievable strict and and harsh decisions, and I didn't like this because we we had to split ways from from some players where I th think when there w would have been a chance to work with them five years ago when they were a bit younger and there it was would be a dream to 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 work with them because they were great lads great professionals great football players but if I'm honest at this time a bit like already sometimes running up the hill and and you don't realize this as a player so I, I was the same so when I came into my 30s so um I, I wasn't the quickest anymore. I couldn't run that much. I, so also like the fire was perhaps not burning that much, but you don't realize this as a player. And and but then the coach has to take sometimes harsh decisions because we need a good good split out of experienced players who lead the group, 
but also fresh energy and players who who still want to prove the point. So just with players uh, with uh, in the age of 35 who who are just a bit more interested. Okay, I want to sign the last good contract or something like this. You can't achieve something special. And and although this uh, were great football players and great lads. Um, it was then sometimes tricky to have these decisions, but I have to say, so they handled it in a, in a top-class way. And I have to say, even with the players, I had to take some harsh decisions. Uh, I was pretty uh, grateful and thankful that they um, accepted it also in the way they liked they did. Yeah, and I guess you can't be too sentimental. It is football. It's results-based, as as we all know. But you talk about harsh decisions. What would you say was, was the harshest or most difficult decision you had to make in relation to, to any of the players that you had to let go? Each and every decision is, is unbelievably difficult. And when you have to say goodbye to a young player who is full of hope and, um, yeah, I think he, he has a quality and also like the, the right to develop and to, to give some time. And you think, okay, it's this step right now is, is, is a bit too quick for him and he has to take two steps back anyhow and to disappoint him because you think, okay, at the moment he doesn't have the quality in order to help us. It's uh, then, of course, sometimes sometimes a bit tricky, and you you're disappointed. But also, I had some some great lads in my in my in my um, in the first year when I when I came here. Stephen Naismith was an unbelievable professional, great lad, unbelievable experience. Yeah, but sadly in his position, I t had to support because it was my great feeling that I have to support James Madison a bit a bit more. And it paid off that in the end. Pay off just yeah. a bit. Yeah, it was unbelievably tough because yeah. Steve Moss uh, was a great lad, a great football player, or even um, yeah, our, our club captain Russell Martin, great lad, great servant, ambassador for the for the club, a club legend. He helped me a lot. So even in my, in my first days, he said, "Listen, when you need anything or whatever, he even when he was not playing, he lead the group in a in a in a top class way." But then to disappoint him, not to play him each and each and every game, and uh, to say, okay, listen, perhaps we right now play on in this role a guy like Ben Godfrey or Christoph Zimmerman uh, was unbelievably difficult because they were great lads and great football players. Or for example, Wes Hulahan. So what a player he was! Yeah, and he, if he, he was ten years younger. Yeah, he totally fit to my style. And even yeah. in this age of he was 33, 34, he can, could still um, make the difference. But I would say just in the end of the game, 20, 30 minutes, and then not to start him, or sometimes I had to substitute him. And even in this age, he was unbelievably greedy to play, and he was uh, so disappointed anyhow when I substitute him. Uh, or sometimes when he was on the bench, and I called him, so it didn't uh, take 10 seconds, and he was standing next to me and couldn't, couldn't wait to come in. It was great to see him, and he was he was so much my player, anyhow, of how I want to play. Yeah, sadly not. It was a bit like already in this age where he, Sadly, although he still had, the, had the, the the quality to produce magic, but not in each and every game, not over 90 minutes, was sometimes difficult anyhow. And then, um, but then to find the right balance uh, to go there with with class and with style, and also try to give them the the goodbye that they um, deserve. Also, like to to balance it out with the situation you have to take with them uh, is always unbelievable, unbelievably difficult. And uh, I hope that. Once they look back to this to this day, they say, "Okay, listen, was sometimes also a difficult period for me, but it was definitely all right how we were uh, treated, and I uh, hope we find the right decisions." Do you ever worry about? I mean, you know, Russell Martin and Wes Houlihan; these are guys who will they will remain Norwich City legends, you know, forever. Do you ever worry about the fans' feedback when, you know, you've been here for what a year? I think when Russ left, barely, barely that. You know, do you worry about how the fans go? Hang on a minute, 
mate, you've just turned up and got rid of a couple of our legends here. Do you ever worry about that? Or you, you know what, I've got a vision and I'm sticking with it. No, you can't, you can't um, worry too much about this uh, because you know how it is. So after after three games, uh, everyone wants to build a statue and then you lose next two games <laughs> and rotten tomatoes are flying. <laughs> That's quite normal. You you can't can't be too addictable, uh, addicted to, to, to public opinions. You have to stick to your believings and you have to do what you try to do. But I also try to to do everything in the name of the club and what is right for the club, not like what is right to 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 my idea because I always got the feeling the club is bigger than the head coach, the club is bigger than the owner, the club is bigger than the chairman, the club is bigger than each and every player or staff member. The club belongs to the people and the supporters and you have to do it in the name of the of the club and in the name of the people. But without just trying to make sure that everyone is singing your name, you have to do it in the interest of uh, of the club and this is quite important but also to do the style because I didn't came here and say listen right now everything what you've done before though was was wrong and and right now I know have the solution you always have to be unbelievably respectful because um, Norwich has had great times and even I was praised a lot for for promotion uh, anyhow and and got lots of lots of credit and lots of applause when I said listen they've done it even before so it's not the, I'm not the first head coach who was able to to promote to the Premier League so I was not too carried away as well, so I'm always full of respect what has happened in the uh, in the history of the club. I think it's it's quite important also when you want to lead the club uh, forward, then also to to value a little bit um, what the club has done in the past. So you talked about um, losing players such as James Madison. In your first season in charge, you finished 14th in the table. Um, Angus Gunn was in goal on loan from Manchester City at the time, and it was a good squad. Like, when, where did you see that things were really starting to mould to your philosophy? To be honest, I, I also enjoyed the uh, the first season because um, it was, of course, difficult. Yeah, because we had in the beginning a few players who didn't want to be here, but they had great contracts and were much, much a uh, lot of money. It was a bit difficult, and we had to to bring some fresh energy and some young lads in and. Then also during during preseason, yeah, we had to we had to sell three of our best players with Johnny Howison, Graham Dowen, uh, Durrance, and and also Jacob Murphy. Then we had um, during this uh, first season, during preseason, two big uh, contact injuries with Tim Close, an unbelievable important player for me. He was out for for several months. Uh, Alex Pritchard was out. He missed the first twenty games, and when he came back in. Uh, he made the difference for us, scored goals, and after four or five games, we had to sell him as well because Huddersfield wanted to sign him and we, we sold him for double figures. We had to do this because there was so much financial pressure on the club and it was a difficult period. And for that, I still had an unbelievable proper group of lads and I liked our first season. Yeah, of course, when you compare this then with the big Norwich City season when we played on, on Premier League level, when we... Um, yeah, we're even um, beating Bayern Munich 30 years ago. When you compare this as a lifelong Norwich City supporter, it's it's never good enough. And to just to finish in uh, in mid table, and you always never good on championship level. It's never good enough. And for lifelong Norwich City supporter, but I think in in terms of of having a solid um, base to build on, it was it was a solid uh, first first season because. Sometimes when you have to renew the squad, when you have so much financial pressure, when you have to bring so many young lads in, when you have uh, so many injuries, when you have to sell during a season so many players, you can be in danger uh, of, of relegation. And this happened to, to several clubs also since I, since I was here. And, and for that, we were actually never in real danger of, of 
of uh, of relegation during this first year. There was a period around Christmas. It was a bit tricky when we lost a few games, but we were always a bit closer to the playoffs and in comparison to the to the relegation ranks for that. Um, it was was even a, a solid a solid first season. We had a club record of, of clean sheets and and several good things to achieve and we built it on uh, on this uh, also for the second and the third year and I think it was although it was not in in terms of the big picture of Norwich City because it was just a mid table finish uh, it was not a, a great year in the history of of Norwich City but. Uh, quite quite important here so in, in terms of our block. Yeah, project, you're building yes. your foundations. So as for the second season, obviously it was a bit of a slow start. Did you at any point feel like you were under any pressure from, from the fans or even from the board or was it very much a case of a longer term plan you were just getting started? No, on this on this level, you're always under pressure. So you, even even the best coach in the world, yeah, even Jurgen Klopp won the title last and last season. He won the Champions League before. Yeah, if you then lose one game, I think it was against Villa, then there are questions and doubts or whatever. This belongs to the business. That's quite normal. Yeah, when you lose a game, then everyone is, is doubting you, and and that's quite normal. If you can't handle this. Um, then you shouldn't. You better shouldn't work in this uh, the shop. Then you're not strong enough for the job. That's mm -hmm. definitely for sure. But I always felt uh, unbelievable trust also from the key people and also unbelievable trust from from our supporters, from the majority of our supporters. And if I'm honest, I didn't uh, expect so much help and so much respect and also so much goodwill in terms of that so many people wanted us to 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 be successful in 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 our style and our in our way and with our principles of playing also with our values and of course yeah when there are so many um supporting this and there are also a few mooners or doubters that's quite normal it's yeah. it's football because there's no black or white so it's not like a book book where you can read um okay football works in this way so you don't have to play um, possession-based football in order to be successful. You can also uh, park the bus. You you can can um, uh, just hope for some luck and some set piece and win games. And and everyone is also happy. And and no one has to to love possession-based football and passing football. If you want to say no, we want to have proper long balls and four for two and some proper second balls. Yeah, it's also allowed and also can also be attractive. And and but you have to choose in which way you want to go. So you can't be one day like this and the other day like that. So for that, I was also unbelievably grateful and thankful for all the support and also the trust that I had. And, and I will never forget this. And you mentioned uh, giving the young players a chance earlier. That's something taken an enormous amount of pride in at the club. But I remember Stuart Webber setting out his targets and saying, look, we want to get this many, I can't remember the exact figure, academy players, a certain amount of minutes in the first team. But he was quick to stress, really important. We're not just slinging them on at the end. We're giving them meaningful experience and we want to get them as a part of this side. How important for the football club is it to give these young players a chance? We are self-funding a club and the only self-funding club on, uh, on this level. And uh, so for that, we, we have to develop players. We have also to accept if, if some players develop quicker than we do as a club, um, yeah, at any point we, we have to sell them. And the biggest problem was in the first two years we had to pay for, for so many sins in the past. And if I'm honest, I'm also Stuart didn't know when he signed the contract that the financial pressure was so much and uh, me neither. So um, we expected of course, that we have to develop uh, players and we have also to develop young players, but we didn't expect that there was so much financial pressure on the club. And, and yeah, for that, we need to find some solutions. And it will always be that we 
believe in young players and we want to develop them. But one thing is for sure, I, I want to win football games. And I don't want to give the most minutes away for our academy players. It's more like I don't give away any gifts. I want to win football games. And uh, if I win football games with a 35-year-old, I will play him instead of playing him with the 18-year-old uh, guy. But I'm never scared of, of playing young players. And I, when I got the feeling, okay, they're ready to go, um, I give them also a go. I'm, I'm never scared that I think, oh, then the, the older players are anyhow annoyed and want to work a bit behind the scenes to, to, to sack the head coach anyhow or something like this. I think it's, it's important also to, to be brave in this, uh, in this, uh, in this moment. And each and every club is speaking about, uh, about the, the youth as a, as a future. I never heard uh, a coach saying, no, I don't believe in my young players. I don't believe in the academy. Everyone is, is praising, we this will be our future and rely on them but it's more like how you act is more important and um and this is also like what what is more important for me not like to 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 speak too much about how much i trust them how much i want to develop them or something like this it's more like how how we act as a club and how i act as a coach and this is quite important it's it interesting there was a little bit of concern and i might have got my timelines wrong here but i remember Huddersfield, I think, did they get rid of their academy? But it was after Stuart left. I might yes, be completely making yeah, that up. Yeah, I remember up. hearing that. Yeah. And, and, and I think there was a bit of worry that, yeah. you know, that might be something that, you know, might happen here. But yep. instead, the absolute opposite, yeah. the, the canary bond and the fans getting behind the new academy building and, you know, an incredible amount of time and investment into the academy. I don't want to give too much advice to, to other clubs or would recommend that our model model is, is always the best for each and every club. So each and every club has to take its own uh, decisions. And there are, of course, some posher clubs who need to present the, the best players in the world because everyone expects them to sign also some names. And that's also totally, totally okay. But you also have to accept the reality. And our reality is we are a self-funding club. Uh, we are a community club. We are a club. We really rely on a, a strong relationship between our players and our supporters. And, and we need a strong bond within the uh, city. And the best bond and the best relationship is always like if you bring some of your own through the ranks. And this is what we are trying to do. And for that, um, it was uh, never never an option for us to, to go a different way. And we had to go and to choose this way. If I'm honest, I also hope one day we are also capable then not to sell our best players. Hopefully, we can also buy some players and add some quality. But doesn't mean that we will give away our, our values and also that we don't count on our academy anymore. So it's more like it will then help also us to to develop the club further on. And but we will always rely on on developing our young players, and this will also be our way. Do you think it was the the financial situation that the club found itself in when you and when Stuart Weber first joined that put the onus then back on instead of buying expensive players, developing those stars? Did that play a big part in it? Yes, definitely. Because when you don't have the money, you have to be more creative than than other players, and sometimes you there is no other no other option anyhow. But it's it's not like just to speak about eh? you you have to act and this is quite important not just to speak about like yeah the young player will be one day the the future of the club but at first they have to go on four different loans and then the age of 27 anyhow they are ready uh, to to represent our colors it's important also to trust them uh, as soon as possible but also to make sure that not just because you're young there's any gift if you don't have the quality to represent your yellow shirt and you're not ready to represent this 
um, then it's also not just because you're young and the head coach want to be placed for some more minutes or something like this that there is any gift. So I just play players uh, and um, when when they're ready to go. But I have to say, so it's it's also not up to me. It's it's also up to the fantastic work of our academy of our key people there to work with them because they have to present them in the in the perfect possible shape and then I can pick them. But the a lot of work has to do in our academy and uh, yeah, lots of praise goes also to to the people who work in our academy. And and obviously, you know, at the moment, like you said, it, at the moment, if we have a player that hits those heights, someone like Ben Godfrey, has gone on to Everton. You know, we have to potentially look at selling them. The succession plan is what interests me. You know, I know in the NFL they have what's called a depth chart. I don't know if that's something you guys mm -hmm. use, but but Stuart's always saying that you guys are always thinking of the next person to slot in. So if someone moves out the top end, you've got that chain below. How how far does that go in each position? You know, for, for all the players, how many backups are you are you looking at? Yes, you have to be prepared. You have to be professional, and uh, you need to have many uh, many options, and also for different scenarios. Yeah, you never know. Um, if you play in the next year, for example, on Premier League level or Championship level, there's also even even the first years there was a scenario for even for League One. We, we need to do this in order because um, we didn't want to go there anyhow. But in order to prepare the the club for all scenarios, you, you have to do this. But of course, you concentrate on the on the on the topics that are more likely. And uh, we're also thinking big, so we have proper and good names. Also, like when there is a possibility to sign some players for money, and we also had, for example, for, on, on Premier League level last season, we had some players we wanted to sign. And but it, then you have to also to accept the reality that we didn't have the money in order in order to do this. But we are prepared for this scenario. So whenever there's a chance anyhow to bring quality player in, we try to do this uh, as as much as possible. But um, also the squad depth in, in terms of uh, in terms of our academy, you could fit then in uh, in a few years um, first view on the on the markets always always a homegrown market but we also have to uh, have a look abroad because quite often the homegrown players are too expensive anyhow for self-funding clubs so you have to be creative yeah sometimes you have to find players in germany and in, in spain in the netherlands in france anyhow and this of course a bit more tricky because it's more risky yeah because uh, the young lads here Uh, anyhow, they know the league, they know the language and know the tradition. It's always tricky to bring, for example, a South American guy from the second tier in Spain and like Emi Buendia. But paid off. Got, yes, thank God we did. So, yeah. so it uh, definitely paid off. And But you never know. It's always, uh, always a bit more risky but sometimes you have to take the risk and we try we can't be there with each and every decision right but we try to be there with as many positive decisions as uh, as possible has it felt frustrating at any time for you you say like you might see a player that you think would work really well in, in what you're trying to develop here at norwich city but you haven't got the funds to necessarily go out and just just pay the big bucks for a player that say Liverpool or Arsenal or even the likes of say Aston Villa or a, or a club that that have come up quite recently could do ha has that frustrated you at all yes absolutely so it is frustrating but uh, it it has to make sure that you are not influenced too much uh, in uh, in your work yeah? when for example think about uh, we played uh, last season against uh, against Southampton at home pretty important game first game yeah. after lockdown and we we lost the game now three and we got lots of stick the players got lots of stick of course my coaching staff 
head coach, it's quite normal. Everyone gets lots of stick. We were criticized for, um, yeah, they were more flexible in their style and they, they had uh, different different scenarios. And it was the game. We tried everything. We changed in this game three or four times the base formation. We have substituted five times during the game before um, Southampton substitute the first time. And, you know, we tried everything. In the end, we had to accept yeah, their quality was in the end better. Yeah? They had players, they brought in Danny Ings for um, uh, a player of top quality for, I don't know, 22 million pounds or something this. And they had a player like Jay Adams. I loved him. Uh, he scored many, many goals on, on championship level. I, I was interested, we were interested. It was simply not just not possible for us to, to sign him. Yeah, so Hampton signed, signed him for whatever, 50 million pounds. And he was striker number four. He was struggling to make the game day squad anyhow. Yeah, yeah but we have to compete with this uh, with this uh, clubs anyhow. Yeah, and then the players get lots of stick. Although they left their heart out on the pitch, they tried everything. And then you have to say it, c it came back down to, to quality. And this is then also sometimes difficult and frustrating yeah, because I knew this anyhow. Uh, before and it's of course then frustrating that you can't sign sh such a player who would have been absolutely uh, important for us and for for a club who is in competition at, uh, at this moment for us in, in terms of staying in this league just uh, striker number four or number five or whatever and then it's sometimes difficult and frustrating yeah, because you got the feeling so we're not fighting with the same tools anyhow but if you if you are then too annoyed, then you can't work in this job, or at least not in this uh, job for for Norwich City. So we have to we have to go our way. We have to work with our tools, and we have to find some solutions. And this is what we're trying to do. It's so funny the way different people look at it. So when we beat Man City, the graphic that was going around on social media yeah. was the amount we'd spent and what we'd achieved on it. That's and all people want to focus on. It, exactly, yeah. and and we were being you know lauded for it. But then you go down the line and results stop going that way. And it was, I can't believe well, we only spent this. Why, yeah. That's the reason why. And, and that's obviously the frustration that you have to deal with. And Yes, of course. And, and to be honest, it's, it's important not to, not to kill the atmosphere, but also not to be naive anyhow. And, and um, to be honest, for example, for our, for our um, Premier League season, it was not about choosing the right communication strategy anyhow, because the only thing that matters are results. And if you tell before the uh, season starts, anyhow, it would be a miracle if you if we stay in this league. I said, yeah, it's great to to stay humble anyhow, but in the end, we will be all right. And then you lose the first game. Now, in the end, you you will be all right. Then you lose the second game. Then you lose the third game. And after the fourth game, listen, if you said, we need a miracle. He's not convinced, so that's the wrong strategy. But on the other hand, if I would have told everyone, no, we will be all right. We have such a proper group, and how we win the games, then you lose the first, the third, the second, the third, the fourth game. Then everyone said, how can you be that naive? With this quality, you never say this. <laughs> so it's not about communication yeah. strategy. Yeah. It's more like what you, what you, what you choose. And I was never naive. So we started into the season, and. We had a pretty, pretty experienced goalkeeper um, squad with uh, Tim Krul, yes. with Ralph Fairman and Michael McGovern. But on, on, uh, on, um, when I had a look on, on our uh, field players, yeah, Alex Setti has played on, yes. on Premier League level. Uh, no one else. No one else. Yeah. Tim Close has spent one year, but he was out more or less for the whole season. Um, we had so many exciting young players and everyone was buzzing about the likes of Jamal Lewis and Max Evans and, and Ben Godfrey and Amy Buendia and Todd Cantwell and everyone thought, okay, with these players, we, we can uh, even attack the Premier League and we will the title uh, and we will fight for Europe now. It's their first season on, on Premier League level. And even these players, one day they will be definitely all right for this level, but yeah, you, you have to pay your dues in, in your first season. And all the others were let's 
who have never played on this level. The only other guy was Grant Henley. He has spent some time at Newcastle, but let's be honest, he never really played there properly on, on this level. And to go into this season then, of course you can be there with highlights. And we tried to be to 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 break the odds again and to try to work on another miracle. We tried everything anyhow. But if if then not everything goes in uh, in your favor, then it's unbelievably difficult with a group of players. Yeah, where just Alex Setti had more or less Premier League experience, and in the end it, it came down to to, to quality. And uh, sadly, we were not not able to repeat another miracle. Um, yeah, but hopefully once we are capable one day to to return back to this level, then we are a bit better prepared as a club in in terms of financial opportunities, in terms of infrastructure, also in terms of the squad. And hopefully we have a squad who has already players who have spent at least one or two seasons then on Premier League level and then we will find our, ourselves in a, in a much more competitive way. But to have got there in the first place and to have been promoted as the championship champions with the squad that you had, how amazing did that feel? And to do it at Carrow Road as well. <laughs> yes, it was great because it was also so unexpected and also in a situation where we had earned more money than probably other, any other club in, in Western Europe yeah? because in the two years before we've sold um, not just Johnny Hausingham, Jones, Alex Pritchard, the Murphy Twins, but also James Madison, always key players. And we brought players in from our academy, some young players, some players from Germany. Even in Germany, they never have played on the on the on the top level. And with this, with this, players were capable not just to promote, but also like to promote with a record season of the club, with nearly 100 points, with nearly 100 goals, with a special brand of football. I was always unbelievably respectful for. The achievements in the in the past and what other coaches and and teams have achieved and and to achieve promotion is always unbelievable difficult. But to do this also in this style with the record season, so not many uh, Norwich City teams were able to to lift the trophy as uh, trophy as champions, and there was also no doubt to to do this deserved and also exactly in our way with our principles, with our football, with our style, with our own players. Anyhow, this was uh, remarkable. It was was a pretty proud moment. First day after promotion, I thought, oh, we need another miracle. It will be unbelievable. <laughs> difficult. There will be difficult times. But also, it was important also to enjoy this moment in, in order to, because, yeah, what, what these players have achieved, it was so important also for the future of the club. And we'll be always uh, remembered by them. And, and we created some history for the club. And this and was a great moment. Did you get to share that with your family as well? Because I know your family live in Germany, don't they? Did they come over and, and were they here to witness the promotion? Yes, of course. We are also always uh, quite close uh, with my uh, with my family, and and of course, it's always important um, for the for the whole family and and everyone who's who's connected. I try to keep my private life a little bit close and keep them a, a little bit away from from all the spotlight anyhow, in order that everyone can can lead a normal life. Because I don't want to get too carried away when uh, they are. Yeah, when I'm as a family member, I'm the superstar or I'm the, the worst coach ever. Anyhow, when I, when I have the wrong decision. So for that, I keep the try to keep this always always a bit away. But of course, they, they know what I'm doing. And for that, always uh, they also take part. And uh, yes, also then, then uh, they feel all the most that I do. And that's, uh, I think, also quite important. Is it difficult at the moment with the travel restrictions and, and family? I mean, the whole squad, you know, you've got some international players must be I difficult yes of course it's difficult at the moment sometimes uh, because of course you also want to see your parents for example who are in my age also then in the in a in an age uh, where uh, they are of course also struggling during during this times so also to see people also like to be a bit scared of course it would be it would be nice to do this to be allowed to do this but i'm also struggling to to complain too much because i'm leading together with all the players such a privileged life and and uh, work in such a great surrounding i'm i'm 
blessed and honored to to be allowed to work in such a yeah important role for this amazing club and and um there are so many people who have to worry much more about their future have to worry much more about their family so for that of course it's it's a difficult period of time but i'm struggling to complain too much about this so my thoughts are really more like with the people who are really in difficult situation work in difficult jobs who have to worry about their jobs in the future who have to worry about their financial future anyhow and for that my thoughts are a bit more with them instead of worrying too much about my private situation i would feel really bad if i would complain about my situation that i have to wait a few more weeks longer to to see the people that i want to see anyhow for that um yeah it is a bit tricky at the moment but i don't think i have the right to complain too much well the club kind of jumped into action when this first sort of started you know hitting norfolk and i know several of your senior players and and some of the club's directors were making phone calls to over 70 season ticket holders to start with you know that that's something really special about this place isn't it that connection yes and this why i also also uh, like this club that much and i labeled it you never know so how, how long the people want me to say and how how long i will be allowed to 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 work in this uh, in this um, fantastic role to represent the club and to lead the club in such a privileged uh, role. So I always had the feeling it's it's a honor and, and really I'm blessed to to represent this club in this, this role. I'm, I'm blessed to work together with so many amazing uh, people, but this is why I love this club so much because there's a real bond within the community, the real bond within the city. It's not just about winning games or something like this or to pretend something. It's It's more like to make sure that this place and, and this community is a bit bigger, better place. And it's not just about the first team and, and something this more like about the community. And this is why I also mentioned several times, it it was, I've got a home in Germany, but it will always be my my uh, my first home here in England. It will always be my my second home here in Norwich. What whatever happens in the future, so it could also be that I will work in a different city, in perhaps in Germany, in England, wherever. But uh, Norwich will definitely always uh, the place where was my second home, and uh, there's already a bit yellow blood in my in my <laughs> veins, and, and it's a great great club. Yeah. To be. There's always a feeling I think among Norwich fans that you just get us. Do you do you feel like that as well? Yes, when we are successful, then everything everything's okay. And it's also quite normal that not everyone is, is overly happy when we lose a game. And to be honest, I never take it personal because it just shows how much everyone cares. And it, it reminds even the players how much responsibility we have. So um, I, I was never, never out for that everyone praised me wherever on social media what i i still feel unbelievable support and 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 trust and i'm really really grateful and thankful thankful for that and i've got lots of credit i'm i'm really grateful and i i don't take it as 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 uh, as given especially not in this uh, in this business so pretty rarely it's that uh, head coach is always allowed to fulfill his contract so i'm uh, working as a coach meanwhile since 12 years and i was always allowed to to fulfill my contract so Great CV. yeah they're not yeah they're not many mm -hmm. but it's not like I'm unbelievably proud of myself. I'm, I'm more grateful that yeah. all the all the key people in the club thought, okay, I'm I'm doing a solid job anyhow, and um, that I'm allowed to to do this. And uh, yeah, for that I, I really feel feel honoured and grateful. And how long would you continue doing this job if given the choice? If they said Stuart said to you, Daniel, you're here as long as you want to be here. That's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 more like it it always has has to be. For for all parties, uh, also also the best. And once I got the feeling, so right now everyone is bored of our of our way. Okay, it one could also be 
it's it's always the same in the, in the, in life and also in football. Yeah, after a while, yeah, sometimes you're also bored. So could also be that um, at one point then one says, okay, we have dominated right now the games. We are dominating the passing statistics right now. We want to have proper lets anyhow everyone two yeah two meters tall anyhow long ball and and let's go for second balls and and proper tackling one day perhaps the people want to have a head coach who is on, on the sideline more like with a track suit and 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 uh, tackling around in the in the coaching uh, area and shouting at the players and give them a real go so sometimes you want to have this and uh, this change and i i will then accept this because that's not me. So I try to represent this club also in, in, in my way. I try to work for this club in, in my way. And uh, as long as I got the feeling, okay, uh, I can help developing this club, uh, then I will definitely do this. And I'll just then also overtake this club when I got the feeling, okay, right now I've done everything. The club is in the right place. And then I will perhaps go also for a different challenge also for myself. Yeah, it could be, but all I have to say, so I don't have a career plan. So I was I was never out for most money or titles anyhow. And and um, for me, there are other values that are that are more important. And and I want to create history. And sometimes it can be more important to develop a club and to create experiences and and also to make the life of of, of people a little bit better than to add a different uh, a different club who has better opportunities. The 147th title in the career of the club, anyhow. So, and you, you are the 47th coach who is capable to do this. So, it's also pretty, pretty valuable and pretty, pretty affecting if you, if you can help Norwich, um, yeah, to to help also like to achieve the, the long term vision to become a hopefully one day then also established a Premier League club and this more or less. Um, something uh, I try to to work on. Do you ever envisage yourself going back to Germany and, and potentially working in the Bundesliga, having that link already? I had several times the uh, opportunity to do this oh. and uh, never did this, and I choose to to work here in England. And this says I think a lot about my um, my attitude. So I really feel feel feel. Um, blessed that I'm allowed to, to work here and because it's a motherland of football and mm -hmm. football has an unbelievable high level in the everyday life of, of people in Germany. Uh, but I got the feelings here, here it's even even a bit more. So yeah. I think we are quite, quite similar in terms of, of football culture in, in Germany and England. It's quite similar, I would, would say, but uh, I still feel that the Premier League is, is uh, the best league in the world. The championship is, is the toughest mm -hmm. league in the world. Yes. and. I also got the feeling so that the, some of the best coaches in the, in the world are working here in England. The best clubs in the world are here. And it's an amazing place uh, place to be. That doesn't mean that at any point, uh, of course, could be that I will also work in Germany. But at the moment, it's definitely definitely the right place to be for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. So I'm always quite quite yeah, strict and consistent in my, in my decisions. If I would have the... Uh, feeling that it's not the right place to be then believe me I wouldn't be here and just because I think okay I'm on a good contract or something like this but just about money then I would come myself if I got the feeling so I have nothing to give or can't develop the club anymore I want to do something uh, something else but uh, that's not the case at the moment I'm, I'm totally at the right place at the moment and we'll see how long it will continue it's good to hear <laughs> do, do you enjoy doing things like this because obviously you know when you're out on the pitch on a Saturday and you know, the, the Barclay and when all, all the stands are, are giving you that adulation and it must be an incredible rush, but, but coming and talking about it so passionately and it's so engaging. You don't I mean, have to say yes. You don't have to say <laughs> yes, but, but you know, I mean, do, do you enjoy coming and talking about so passionately about Norwich? To be honest, it's just the way that I judge it, uh, if, I'm, uh, if I'm honest. And, and I'm, 
exactly like the with my players I'm, like I told you so I'm always I'm always honest and, and if um, I'm not out for any compliments or something like uh, something like this so you would feel if I'm, I don't feel it anyhow and just pretend uh, because uh, in this business there are also many many pretenders if I'm, uh, if I'm honest I always will speak about in uh, in this way uh, how I see it how, how I judge it and how I feel it and yeah of course uh, right now we're working also in, in difficult periods uh, without the supporters and there's no replacement for for win together with our supporters mm. and if i'm honest uh, the nicest part of your career is always a playing career yeah? because as a coach after you won a game in this moment you always have to think about okay right now which message do i give to the media which message do I give in the dressing room uh, how can i make sure that i also win the next game or at least don't lose the next game anyhow uh, as, as a player it's it's always uh, the nicest period of uh, of the time this i why i always give the message to my players come on enjoy it enjoy your playing career because there's never this feeling like mm. during the playing career and it's career, a short but, career isn't it yes definitely and you have to enjoy this and you have to enjoy this feeling because yeah, life of a head coach is, is definitely much more demanding and you have to take care for so many people as a player you just have to care of for yourself and and to make sure that you're fit and play your part in, in this business but um as head coach you have to think about so many other things and it's not always enjoyable uh, but when you win a game and you are successful then it's also also a good feeling that's definitely for sure something i couldn't help but notice immediately actually after we were promoted to the premier league is the amount of comparisons that were made between you and jürgen klopp obviously there is naturally that german link i've read you saying that actually your style of play you wouldn't necessarily look to him in in what you would want to how you would want to mold your side did that annoy you at all being compared to him no, because I'm I'm working that long in this uh, in this business. I always got these questions, yeah. Because Jurgen Klopp is a is a world class coach. He's a German coach and was unbelievably successful. He worked for Borussia Dortmund. I have worked, yeah, just for the under twenty one. But uh, but uh, did you work together? You didn't work no, together at the we, same we time, worked, did you? No, uh, it was the first time that we met. Uh, even oh, then, really? It was in, the first in time. So never never before. So I worked during my time in, uh, in Dortmund pretty close to Thomas Tuchel. Also, you would label perhaps the football view club slightly different to, to, to our approach anyhow. But of course, he's a world-class coach and, and there are so many aspects to admire. Yeah? Also, his man management and how to how to judge things. He's also pretty kind and warm-hearted uh, person, but we are slightly different. So he's standing there with a tracksuit and a cap on the touch line. Mm-hmm. I never wear a tra- tracksuit. So he is more like his football is more like labeled like heavy metal football with unbelievable pressing with unbelievable strength in the center you would compare us perhaps even a bit more i don't know perhaps a bit more with man city with with possession based side so i think there are also differences but um yeah football is not black and white there are also many similarities and i always got this question uh, much more than Jürgen, perhaps uh definitely yeah because he's a world-class coach and i'm just uh, more or less like still have to prove my my point but uh, in terms of our how our career has developed. It's also uh, quite similar, especially in the beginning. And he said some very kind things about you and Norwich last season, actually, about how he saw that there was a longer-term plan that you were trying to impose and and with with um, the way that the, the, the whole financial situation. Did, did that mean much to you to, to hear those words from him? Yes, when the best coach in the world uh, praise you anyhow for what we've what we've done, also for our football, what we've done as a football club, is always uh, something that you can um, can be proud of. I think um, it's also even more important when you get these compliments also on the four eyes. And I don't like to speak about our relationship uh, too much uh, because I always hate it when uh, when yeah some 
younger coaches or not that successful coaches speak about their relationship to the best coaches yeah. in, the, in the world because it's always like fishing for compliments. Oh, I'm in contact with uh, Jürgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola. We send some messages anyhow. So uh, I didn't, never liked uh, coaches who are then Name proud. Stopping. Oh, I'm allowed to, to, to send some messages for that. I don't want to speak too much about our private conversations, yeah. but we are in touch uh, a lot. And when he um, repeats also his his uh, pretty complimentary words even in, in higher praise than on a, on a personal level that's it's it feels really good and for that um yeah i know that we have an admirer with with jürgen and he looks a lot uh, to know it because also some of his uh yeah younger players uh, or he worked at, at mainz no film for even in dortmund with some of my players more like they were on under 21 level i know that he follows Norwich quite closely it's always always a good feeling but not just jürgen so um, also with like like pep or something like this so it's it's quite good when this world-class coaches know uh, what Norwich is doing and uh, this was also i think one of our one of our big claims that yeah world football takes notice out of Norwich yeah? like what we did 30 years ago when we were able to beat Bayern Munich you got the feeling right now world football knows meanwhile okay what we're standing for our principles and that's what we're yeah, trying to improve and to force even a bit more and, and hopefully we can do this in the future as well. How much did that win over City mean then last season obviously you talk about Pep Guardiola and, and what you think of him that must mm. have been a, an amazing moment in your career. Yes but I I was not that proud for for me because I don't judge football like chess between two coaches. So it's more like I I am there in order to help my lads to 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 be successful. And it was not like Pep Guardiola against Daniel Farke. It was more like unbelievable strong world class Man City yeah. side at this moment. They were unbeaten for seven months or something like this, and we were yeah the the promoted team who hasn't spent any money and we were able to to beat them and of course we need also a bit luck in this game but we deserve to to beat them because where there was an outstanding performance and i was i was pretty proud on of my, what my players did and also what we did as a as a club because it was one of the yeah highlights also in the in the in the history of of Norwich city and once you were in the stadium, so the, the the atmosphere was was buzzing, and it was a pretty special special atmosphere. And this was a, a atmosphere. I think each and every supporter who was allowed to be there in the stadium will will also yeah think about even in 30, 40, 50 years. And it was was amazing. I I knew. Come on, let's not overinterpret this. Just because we we're able to beat them, it, we still need a miracle to stay in this league. I was far away from overinterpreting this, but we we're pretty pretty happy that we're able to to create such a proud moment in the, the history of, of no city and also quite important moment in order that football football world football took notice of what we're doing how much are you missing the fans you know that you said that night the atmosphere was incredible we've had you know two or three opportunities this season already where the roof would have come off at Road. you must be missing that so yeah much. absolutely our, our late goal so uh, when yeah. we, we scored the late winner so when i think about mario Francic's free kick or the the strike or anyhow then more like marcos tiperman's goal in the in the last game so in a in a game between two top sides to score a late winner anyhow yeah Carol road would have uh, would have been exploded but um yeah we play football for fans and it feels still still feels strange but you also got the feeling so it's a responsibility right now to keep going to make sure that football survives and and we can keep going and the the clubs are still there so for that we also need to cheer the uh, supports even at home a little bit a uh, little bit up when they're not um, in their in the, in the happiest period of of life at the moment during this worst pandemic since yeah since since ages and i think we also have the responsibility to try to cheer them up of course 
it's not the same. It's also difficult anyhow to to really enjoy these feelings uh, when you have great wins. But I think we have to do this at the moment and hopefully they can return pretty, pretty and soon. Football is such a lifeline for a lot of people, isn't it? It is such a big part of their lives. So how important was it for you that, that football came back after Project Restart? Because there was a lot of, a lot, you know, a long time without any sport, really. It's never been more important than now, has it? I agree. So it's it still feels strange and... and also, in the beginning, yeah, everyone was perhaps even a bit scared or not really like fully focused on the game because so many other things were also like uh, in the uh, in the head. But uh, it's so important that we go step by step back to normality. And meanwhile, is playing football games is normality. No one is scared at the moment because the stadiums, also the training ground, seems at least at the moment some of the safest place to go. And hopefully. Also, like pretty soon, then also it's it's possible to to get the supporters back, so that we step by step go back to normality, and we're all looking forward to have this again. And this season, at the minute, it's all going. I don't want to curse it, but it's going very, very well. At the time of us sitting here talking now, we're third in the league. How do you assess the start to the season so far? Definitely a good good situation to uh, to build on there, uh, because after after eleven games to be. Yeah, in a, in a top position uh, is, is quite good. You need a good start. Then there's the main part of the season where the table is made. And this in this main part, you also have to be good. And then you need a strong finish during the crunch time period. But many, many teams are struggling after relegation. And since I came here in, uh, to, to England, uh, so meanwhile, it's my fourth year. Not one club after relegation from Premier League finished in the in direct promotion ranks. And just from the from the nine clubs who were relegated, just one club, Fulham in the last season, yeah. was able to promote back straight away by using yeah. the playoffs. And let's be honest, they had to fight uh, till the last second during their, their playoff half-final and also during the final. They were, in the end, even a bit lucky to, to return back. So it says a lot about the, the size of the task. If, if null out of nine go back in direct promotion ranks and just one out of nine go back by using the playoffs and um, there are also some relegated clubs like like Bournemouth who have spent perhaps on the bigger picture we are the bigger club in comparison to Bournemouth but they have spent year after year on Premier League level the same with Watford they have play, spent year after year so they still start games with starting lineups with more than 1000 Premier League games it's difficult to, to be competitive and even sides like Swansea like Brentford who have builded their, their their clubs and their teams more or less from from year to year it's so difficult and many many clubs were were struggling um more or less on the on the wrong end of the table and yeah like clubs like like Hull City like like Sunderland they're not even allowed to to play on this level anymore Huddersfield Stoke straight away after after relegation uh, they were in, da in danger and fear of of, uh, of relegation, and for that the first topic is you have to make sure uh, that you're not never in danger of, of relegation. Then to to be as close as possible in a good position, and then uh, right now we we seem to be that we have sorted out the hangover. It's not a guarantee that we finish on the in the top position, but definitely we are in a good position to build on. And not not to get ahead of ourselves, but if we do go up this season. What would you do differently to when we came down? Have you learned anything from, from that season in the Premier League? Are there things that you would do differently or ways you'd adjust? First of all, we would be in a completely different uh, different situation as a club and this would be the, the main topic. Yeah? Because um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't label it, we have learned too many, uh, too many lessons. Mm -hmm. The teams after, after promotion who are quite often solid in the first year are the teams who are promoted by relying on their defense. 
It's it was 30 years ago. It's nowadays it will be the same in 30 years in all countries. And the teams who are promoted by a unbelievable offense, um, they are quite often struggling, yeah, because we're praised so much for offensive style anyhow. Uh, after promotion, yeah, Chris uh, was Timo Pukki was the best player, best uh, goal scorer. Marcus Stiepermann, the best number 10. Imi Buendia, the best ringer. Owen Landers, unstoppable anyhow. Yeah, when these lads have to play on Premier League level, it's not that outstanding anymore. And, and then you're sometimes struggling in order to bring your offensive style. And sometimes the teams who are relying on the good defense, um, they find it easier to survive in the first year. If you then survive... As offensive team, you find it easier to uh, to become an established yes. Premier League side. The teams who survive just relying on on on, on uh, sit, parking the bus and sitting deep when the euphorism is way after the first year back in in uh, in, in Premier League level. After uh, you have to take the next step, then they are struggling even even a bit more. So for that, we knew all this that we would struggle a bit. So we we didn't have, if you're honest, enough quality in order to stay there. We didn't have enough experience we didn't have the style to be likely to be successful we not knew all this there would have been just one um one uh, opportunity to spend money yeah but but we use in this moment to pay for the sins in the past we could have said listen we don't pay we just put it a bit more away we we go for it we sign a player for seven eight million pounds we don't pay for the sins in the past we don't sort our financial problems out we we put it uh, a bit in the future and hope and pray that we stay in this league we could have said, okay, we don't invest in the infrastructure. We put this a little bit away and hope and pray that we stay on Premier League level. But we said, no, we sort right now our financial problems out. We invest in the infrastructure. And we use this also to extend the contracts of our of our young prospects to be then able to sell them, for example, like Ben Godfrey, like Jamal Lewis, to keep the young lads running, to, to keep this club also running on the bigger picture. And if we have to go back we accept this as a as a club, but if we then come back to the Premier League, we're in a much better position because then we don't have to pay for any synth in the past and we don't have to invest again in infrastructure. Then we have a squad where the players have already Premier League experience and then we can also invest in players so that we can go also with our style to stay in this league and then to become on the mid and the long term also an established side because I was always so full of respect what was achieved in the past but if we're really honest quite often it was like we were promoted in the past and perhaps with relying on our defense with parking the bus with our frozen of promotion we were able to survive one or two years yeah but then quite often we were relegated again and then we were in financial problems mm -hmm. in trouble we need a few years to come back then we came back relying on the defense anyhow with all the euphorism we were able to stay one year but not like that established on the on the long term picture, and, and our claim is more or less like to to be a permanent member in this top twenty five teams uh, in in, uh, in, uh, in 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 England, and we want to become a member, um, established member on Premier League level. And once there is a year when we are relegated, um, yeah, then we want to promote back straight away so that everyone knows. Okay, we play for us. It's natural to play on on Premier League level, and not like something extraordinary uh, so and we want to develop in uh, in uh, in this way and for that yeah of course in order to become like this we need we need then also of course to to add more quality to to spend a bit more money also into the squad but if we could return uh, at any point we are in a, in a much better position right now uh, because uh, we don't have to we are not under financial pressure and we then 
have this also this experience anyhow to 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 do much better and uh, yeah hopefully we can can prove this again Stuart always talks about you know we're not here forever we need to leave the football club in a better place for the next people that come in and take it over and you know you guys just will not gamble with the future of the football club just to ease some pressure you know when you come to the Premier League that that, that seems to be the message anyway yes it's also if I'm honest it's also was one of the reasons I wanted to stay in last season because, believe me, everyone in, in this business recommended, listen, with this squad, without any experience, without any quality, you have no chance. You need a miracle uh, to stay in this, in this Premier League league. And then, believe me, everyone told me, each and every coach in Germany, each and every club coach, even on the top level here on Premier League level, you have to go, you have to ask, you have to cry for more quality. Otherwise, you will, you will have no chance. And, of course, I knew so for, for the short-term picture, it would have helped me if we would have signed uh, two players for 20 million pounds. It would have been possible. Yeah? Like I said, if, if we would have not paid for the sins in the past, if we would have not invested in the future of the club, if we would have not extended the contracts, if we would have not invested in the infrastructure, would have helped myself. Yeah? Because I know exactly after after we lose a few games, everyone is more or less like speaking about, okay, he's not, not the perfect job. So, And everyone said, listen, no one will be grateful anyhow. But I got the feeling, so if there is one coach on this level also with some credit in the bank who backs also the club in, in this approach. It was me yeah, because I thought, okay, he has done it once once before. So he has created a miracle by promoting with such young lads without any money from the championship to the Premier League. If if one coach is there and has this credit to, to back this club, it's it's me and I knew. So if we if we relegate, I will get lots of punishment and lots of sick. And I can handle this. I'm I'm old enough for for this. But I got the feeling if I leave right now and say, listen, under these circumstances, yeah, I make my life easier. I choose a different club here in England or in Germany. Right now, I don't want to risk my reputation or whatever. I could have gone in this in this way. And believe in there were lots of offers in, in this moment. Yeah, because when you're successful, then you're always in this in the spotlight. So even the agents, yeah, they recommend it anyhow. So it's more like. You have to leave right now because it can't be better. You've done so amazing. Anyhow, go for and and work under under different circumstances. But I wanted to leave the club in a in a in a in a in a better situation than I found the club. And for me, it was so important to support this club also with these decisions. Yeah, to invest in the infrastructure, to 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 pay for the sins in the past, also to make sure once we are relegated. Yeah, then we have the chance to go back to 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 come back then in a stronger place. And if I do this and and, and I can then overhand one day um, the club in a, in a much better place than he, than he was, then I would be happy and I would say, listen, yeah, then hopefully everyone would say, okay, he's done a solid job anyhow, and I would be then also like quite content with my job. And this is more or less I, my my challenge then to to overgive also like this responsible role one day uh, when the club's in a much better and much much more balanced and much more firm way instead of uh, that I found the club. And then we'll build the statue. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Were you, were you surprised by the situation the club was in when you first joined? Obviously now it's a lot more self-sustainable, but were you shocked at all when you knew how things were when you first came in? I know that it would be unbelievably difficult yeah, because each and every season after relegation is difficult. It's always difficult when you have not really a playing philosophy when you have changed your philosophy in the years before i don't want to criticize anyone but you got the feeling so it uh, there was not really a philosophy the only philosophy was i want to be successful anyhow so like not really values how we want to work 
And if you want to implement this and you have a group of players who is perhaps a bit too old and more like on the way down the hill instead of up the hill, I knew it would be difficult. I knew they, we need to sell some players. But if I'm honest, that the financial pressure was that big. Um, yeah, I didn't have the, the whole picture, if I'm, yeah. if I'm honest. And I think even Stuart and, and some of our board members were surprised anyhow. And it's more like we found out how... how big the pressure really was so the, the it was really like the the question do or die anyhow and and without for example developing james madison and selling him for a record a record um fee of the club i'm not sure if the the club would exist in uh, in this way and well i can't remember who it was but someone in the board i remember them saying that in the last game of the season i think james madison got injured and it was a terrifying mm, moment yeah, where actually yeah, yes I remember that. The, the the club there was there was a real bit of danger there. If James Madison was no longer a sellable yes, asset, we were in a bit of trouble. Yes, but I think it was more like a, a worry also like for for our for our key people because they try to keep always a bit the financial pressure away from me. It's not like they tell me, listen, Daniel, you need to uh, develop the next uh, twenty five or twenty million pound player anyhow. Uh, out of player who's never played on this level, so they never do this. So, uh, of course, they are hoping um, that I can do this and uh, I can um, work on this, but they were never working in, uh, in this way or something. And I also try to concentrate on what I can influence and um, I tr tr just try to, to make the best out of my team and try to make the best uh, players out of my players. And if I would have thought, okay, listen, if I can't produce two or three players, yeah, but we got earned some double figures and the club won't exist. So I would have be able to, to sleep anymore. So for that, I had to concentrate anyhow on, on, on my job and put this a little bit to the side and let some other people worry a bit more like about the financial <laughs> side. And it was, it was a tricky moment for the club. I knew this more or less. Yeah, but thank God it, it paid out in the end. And uh, right now the club is in a much better position. And given everything you've said there about the philosophy of the club, what do you think is a realistic aim for Norwich fans to expect from the team over the next sort of few years? Obviously, fans want to see results now and they want to see the great times. But obviously, being a true football fan, it's not all about the highs, it's about the lows as well. But what would be a realistic aim for a, for a Norwich City fan right now? Yes, first of all, you have to say, as a football fan, you're never realistic. And that's also totally okay. <laughs> that's yeah, part of the beauty of uh, it. If you work in this in this uh, business, you you have to be greedy to achieve extraordinary things. And that's also what we want to, uh, to achieve. Otherwise, we wouldn't have achieved the championship title two years uh, two years ago. So that's totally allowed and that's totally okay. I have, of course, to lead the club in, in a bit more realistic way. And, and like I mentioned, so in the, in, the, in the last decades, the club was struggling in order to become an established um, member in the first in in the in the on Premier League level or really established member under the first twenty five um, best clubs in, in this in this country and this is what I want to achieve anyhow because of course we have achieved sometimes to be a part a member of the Premier League uh, table but then yeah after relegation sometimes we were struggling out of the playoff ranks anyhow so that's why I labeled okay I want this club to be always playing on Premier League level and if not then at least in the top six, so always to be in the in the under the best twenty five or the best twenty six clubs on uh, on this level. And we have achieved this uh, two years ago. We have achieved this uh, also in last season because we played Premier League level. Hopefully, this is also why I why I spoke so much about how important this season is. Yeah, it would be great to achieve this again uh, to to finish in the in the top six because it would have been the third year in the row and. Yeah, let's be honest. If if we can again 
create something special and promote back. We would have also the fourth year in a row on uh, in, uh, on this level. So it's the first time since a long period that we that we achieved this, and this was more more or less like how how I want us to keep going and to develop. That sounds like a fulfilling aim to me, mm, definitely. And and finally, what what is your lasting kind of feeling if you had to sum up what Norwich City means to you and why it is so special? What's your what's your thought on that? It's a club for for the people, a club for the community. It's not like. Um, someone pretends here more than he than he is, so it's more like that. Everyone got the feeling, okay, there's a special uh, spirit in within this club, but also a special spirit within the community, with together with the people. So, I think everyone realized that this club is is much more important than any name. And and like famous uh, people uh, even before said, you have to uh, love the, the name on the shirt, but but not like on the back. You have to to uh, to love the badge anyhow. And this is quite important. You got the feeling. So, everyone who has worked for this club has this uh, feeling so that this club is, is even bigger than any manager or head coach or sporting director or chairman or player and uh, I think everyone got the feeling so this club is, is unbelievably important for the people and this is why everyone really also feels really blessed and privileged to, to represent this club and this makes this club so special. That is a great note to end it on. Thank you so much Daniel it has been an absolute pleasure having you on our very first podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you Daniel, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, Dan, but for a first All in Yellow podcast to get Daniel Farker speaking so openly and so honestly, it was a pleasure to spend an hour with him, wasn't it? What an absolute privilege to sit and spend that long with the head coach, the boss, you know, for him to give up his evening and spend that time talking to us. 100%. And I think he answered the question of what that word philosophy is all about here at Norwich. I know the football club is in good hands and I feel really positive about the future. <laughs> Me too. Well, if you enjoyed the first instalment, make sure you subscribe to the All in Yellow podcast as we aim to bring you the best Norwich City insight out there. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search All in Yellow. And we're also on the Norwich City YouTube channel if you prefer your podcast in visual form. All in Yellow, the official Norwich City podcast. <laughs>